Hello, my name is Leslie Goodburn. I'm a Pancreatic Cancer UK supporter, and you're here today listening to some podcasts that we're doing. The reason that we're doing the podcast is because there are two small words, pancreatic cancer, two small words that actually have a massive impact on people, that cause devastation, that create psychological, emotional and physical pain. Before 2014, I didn't really know a great deal about pancreatic cancer. I knew that it was one of the cancers that had a poor survival rate, but that was probably all I knew. In 2014, my husband Seth was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. We were thrust into a world of palliative and end-of-life care, and unfortunately, 33 days after diagnosis, Seth died from pancreatic cancer. Seth didn't really stand a chance, couldn't get treatment because actually the disease was diagnosed at such a late stage that there wasn't the possibility to have any other outcome than Seth was going to die. So after Seth died, spent a lot of time thinking about how to support Pancreatic Cancer UK to raise awareness of the disease, of the signs and symptoms, to raise money. So I've spent the last four years working with various different organisations, getting GPs trained, raising funds through doing things with Emma Bridgewater Pottery, doing charity balls, um, standing in the, in the street during Awareness Month and giving out leaflets to raise awareness. Um, Last year we did some work around patient stories, this year we're doing the Purple Rainbow Pancreatic Cancer podcasts. The podcasts are designed to give everyone who listens to them an idea about what the pancreas does, why it's important, what its function is, what happens when cancer forms, what the signs and symptoms of the disease are, how people can recognise those recognise those signs and symptoms so that they can go to the GP and hopefully get diagnosed early enough for treatment to be an option. We're going to talk to some of the UK's leading clinicians, nurses, allied health professionals, experts in various different fields, and most importantly, we're going to talk to some patients and families who've experienced the disease. So over the course of Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month, which is November, the Purple Rainbow Pancreatic Cancer podcasts will be broadcast and it'll give you all an opportunity to understand the disease much better, to think about how you can support raising awareness going forward and to spread the word about pancreatic cancer and hopefully make sure that in the future many more people are diagnosed earlier and people are given the chance for treatment, the chance that Seth never had. I'm Charlotte Foster, podcaster and journalist, and Leslie asked me to do these podcasts to help raise awareness. And I'll be honest, I'm learning something new about pancreatic cancer in every single one of these episodes. In this episode, we're looking at the challenges of actually getting a diagnosis. Now, we know that pancreatic cancer is one of the toughest cancers to diagnose, and obviously, the later you get a diagnosis, the harder it is to treat. We've already heard, and we'll keep on hearing throughout these podcasts, the symptoms that you need to look out for. Research by Pancreatic Cancer UK has found that two out of three adults in the UK can't actually name a symptom of pancreatic cancer. Now be honest, right now, can you name one of those symptoms? 
Well, if you're ready for the answer, this is what you need to be looking out for. Abdominal pain, which can spread to the back. Unexplained weight loss and a loss of appetite as well. Jaundice, oily floating poo and indigestion. So while you should be looking out for these symptoms, it's also important to remember that these can also be signs of other conditions. So it's all about raising awareness and that's what Julia Lawson is doing. She's a practice nurse at a GP surgery. Her mum, Sandra Walters, died of pancreatic cancer nine years ago. My mum was 64 years old when she passed away. Mum of three daughters and eight grandchildren and she'd been married to my dad for 40 years, sadly, when she passed away. What was she like as a mum? Fabulous, really nice. Never one of the, she's the generation that didn't really work um, until we were a lot older. So she was always there for us. Um, my dad was in the forces at the time as well, so she quite happily picked her life up and moved on with him and made new friends everywhere she went. Sadly, nine years ago, your mum died from pancreatic cancer. What was that like for you as a family going through that? It was really hard. I mean, it's nine years on Tuesday. Funny enough. <laughs> Um, I'm married to an ex-soldier. My middle sister's married to a soldier. So I was living in Cyprus when my mum became ill. My middle sister was in Germany. And actually, it was only my eldest sister that actually lived near my mum. And funny enough, my dad was working abroad as well at the time. So when my mum became ill, started to lose a little bit of weight. Um, I suppose it wasn't really on the radar, even though um, she had numerous, numerous tests over about 12 to 18 months. Um, it didn't, still didn't seem serious. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes total sense, yeah. I mean, what were the symptoms that your mum had that may not have been picked up? <laughs> Probably weight loss. And I believe mum always never sort of worried us about anything so she'd ring and speak to us probably at least once a week but never really talked about it just the fact that she'd lost this weight and they didn't know why um I think some backache some random backache um and then about six months before she passed she found a lump in her tummy which they thought was a hernia so she'd had gastroscopies colonoscopies um herbarium swallow I think um before she died, um, plus a scan. I can't remember, though, if it was a CT or an MRI and still nothing was found. Was it frustrating for your mum having all these kind of symptoms of something going on, but not having a diagnosis? I don't believe she found it frustrating at all because there were such vague symptoms. It never registered on any of our radars including my mum, that it could be something serious. So even though she had this weight loss, she had this niggly pain, went for different tests and nothing was found. I don't believe she found it frustrating because it wasn't on her radar that it could be anything serious that she could potentially die from. At what point did it start getting serious then? For me personally, because I'm a nurse, the fact that she had a very quick gastroscopy came onto my radar, sort of, you know, she went the GP on the Friday and by the Monday they had her in for, you know, the camera down into her stomach. But even then, that still didn't pick anything up. So it's still a bit more blasé. It was the August, it was 10 weeks before she passed away. She had abdominal pain, went to see the doctor. 
on the Monday she was still feeling in a lot of pain and was and my sister and myself both told her to go back and see somebody at the doctor's and on the Tuesday when she rang up and got back in by the afternoon she was jaundiced when she saw somebody. And it's that jaundice isn't it that so often is is the key isn't it? Yeah and it's you know it's it's awful because I'm still sat you know four hours away on a plane and my mum's still feeling quite well in herself having the fact she's joined us and my dad's then in in Norway and on the phone to me in Cyprus saying I've looked on the internet Julia it could be gallstones couldn't it and I'm thinking yeah but now I don't think it is and when did your mum finally get that diagnosis she was admitted to hospital on that Tuesday and on the Friday after I'm sure it was an MRI scan they told her that they they were 95% certain it was pancreatic cancer. I can't begin to imagine what that was like to know, to to get as a family to hear that, to hear those words, especially with your medical it, background as well. Yeah, and, and I suppose I'd never heard of pancreatic cancer either. It was something I'd never, you know, you hear so much about breast cancer, lung cancer, bowel cancer, you know, cervical cancer. There's so many screening um things out there there's so much publications on the television there's adverts there's adverts and every bus that you go on about you know if you had a cough for more than three months or whatever and pancreatic cancer there's just there's nothing out there no one's aware of it unless you've had to live through it so what happened next then so she was discharged that weekend then um after being told she had pancreatic cancer um I came home from Cyprus a couple of weeks later because I needed to see her for myself, even though she was still fine. She was still functioning. She was still living her life exactly the same. She was admitted to a hospital 30 miles away where there was a liver specialist who they tried to do, put a stent in, but they couldn't get the camera past the tumour. So she ended up with a, a drain in for a while just to drain her, I think it was her bile duct to get rid of the jaundice but there was nothing it was too late there was nothing they could offer her there was no chemotherapy no radiotherapy and sadly 10 weeks to the day she passed away so it took a long time didn't it to to figure out exactly what was wrong with your mum and we were saying you know the, the fact that there isn't that awareness isn't really there is it but this is something you're working on isn't it yeah I mean I um I work in a GP practice um, and I can do, I support things wherever I can. There's, we try and publicise it. And the GPs I work with are really, really good. And they have had, we've had a couple in the last probably 12 months, 18 months that have had been been diagnosed. One's managed two years um, and one sadly didn't, um, only passed away after a few months. But yeah, no, and I constantly... Um, sharing posts trying to raise trying to raise awareness um through social media more than anything else um just to make people aware that there is this deadly well another deadly killer out there how often roughly i mean because it surprised me a little bit just with you being a practice nurse and you saying you weren't really aware of pancreatic cancer how often on average do you think that um gps will be able to sort of come across someone with pancreatic cancer i think <laughs> i suppose 
I don't know, to be fair. Um, I think it's probably probably more than what, I th- what I'm aware of, if that makes sense. So I yeah. think because it's so vague that potentially it is on their radar um, and it's and I think they're getting more aware of it. Um, there's a lot of seminars and teaching and stuff around it through pancreatic cancer awareness. Um, and the GPs I work with personally, I think, have recognised the signs and symptoms or are, it is on their radar. It is one of the ones they do think about. But because it's so vague, it's a difficult one. And there is no screening at the moment that will hopefully point them in the right direction. What would you like to see happen to, to raise awareness? Probably more funding to raise the awareness. Get it out there. I mean, I'd never, I'd never heard of it. And it's, you know, and I've been a nurse for 20, 21 years now. Never, ever heard of pancreatic cancer until my mum was diagnosed. And it's more, it occurs more than what we're, you know, we're aware of. And nothing has changed in 40 years. You've still got the life expectancy exactly the same as what it was 40 years ago. And I do believe some of it is the fact we need to fund, put funds there, make people aware, and hopefully develop some screening tools that will enable GPs, nurses to be able to maybe pick it up a lot sooner than what it is. You you mentioned that your mum was, I don't want to say blasé because that's not quite the right word, but your mum was quite relaxed about a lot of her symptoms. And there's lots of people who will just sort of go, oh, bit of backache, oh, I've been losing weight, but I still feel fine. I'm not going to bother the doctor about this. What would your message be to people who you know, who just a few sort of symptoms that are just bubbling along in the background, but they're still getting on with their life. What would your message be to those people? Go and get checked out. Go and see somebody. Make them aware that you, even if it's not on a doctor's radar, because it is very vague, is just to run and say, I am worried that I may have. Look, this is the. these are some of the vague symptoms you could have. And I feel that I'm at risk. In particular, what what vague symptoms would you say would be the ones for you to just sort of bang on that door and get oh, some help? It's the weight loss. It's the unspecified back pain. Um, some of the times it's the abdominal pain. And it's just, it's yeah, it's the change in sometimes stools. There's so many just little vague ones out there that could be something or nothing. But when you look at the broader picture and put them all together... I think that's what people need to be aware of, that, you know, two or three of these symptoms together can be something else. And it may be nothing, but don't leave it too late. Bang on those doors. My mum was diagnosed the year that Patrick Swayze died. Really? Yeah. So my mum, I flew home to see her from Cyprus and my dad, obviously, they were devastated. And I remember my sister saying to my dad, look, Patrick Swayze's had pancreatic cancer for the last two years. Look, you know, he's had two years and he died the next morning. Oh, blimey. (laughs) That wasn't what you needed to hear, was it? No, it was a bit like, oh. You know, and my mum, up until the Sunday before she passed away on the Friday, she was still out and about, going into town, seeing the people that she knew without a problem at all it was on the Sunday that she took you know she suddenly decided she suddenly realized the fact that actually she was struggling to eat she felt like she couldn't swallow anything and she went downhill very quickly from there I was about to say 
I don't know if this is quite the right phrasing or not, but what was your mum's attitudes or feelings towards all of this? I think devastation. I think like anybody, you know, knowing full well that you have three daughters and eight grandchildren that you're not going to see grow up. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful in one respect that all three of us were married before my mum passed away. Um, but yeah, just knowing, you know, and I'm grateful that my children, my youngest was, God, six, <laughs> when my mum passed away. So he has got memories of my mum. Um, and my sister, my elder sister's boys were a lot, were older, but my, my, young, my middle sister, she's got four children and her youngest was three. And so the only memories he'll really have of his nana will be our memories. And that's so unfair, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, 64 is no age these days. You expect them to see them for at least another 20, 30 years these days. Yeah. I mean, my dad was still working. He's exactly the same age as my mum. So he was still working abroad um, until my mum became ill. And then he came home to look after her. And then suddenly at 64 years of age, you're you're on the the heap of, actually, we don't want to pay, you know, we don't want to use you anymore for work because you're 64. Whereas three months previously, he was okay to work with the same company. And it's just awful in that respect because, you know, all of a sudden then my dad's on his own and no job either, which was always who part of who he was. And I guess that's an effect that you don't really think about as well, like the, the, the knock-on effect of the whole family. Yeah. Totally. I mean, yeah, I mean, my dad's done really well you know and he's coped really well and he and he's fully living his life and stuff but actually he probably would have been working for another couple of years if my mum had still been there and no one would have batted an eyelid if he was still working either would he no because he was you know he did agency work so as long as you're still employed it's fine but of course then three months down the line after um my mum passed and he'd been out work for three years and all of a sudden 64s you know is over the hill I just so hope that the research that's going on at the moment will find some sort of screening. And that's a frustrating thing because there's other cancers that have got great screening and people don't uptake it. Just imagine if there was a screening for pancreatic cancer, that would be just... Oh. Yeah, it would be one of the best news ever, I feel, for every family or every person that's been touched by pancreatic cancer. Thank you for listening to this episode of Purple Rainbow Pancreatic Cancer Podcast. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and you won't miss the next episode. We've got episodes coming out throughout November, which is, of course, Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month. To make sure that you don't miss out on any of those episodes, you need to subscribe to the podcast. While you're at the whole subscribing thing, why don't you leave us a review and why don't you share it as well? Next episode, we're going to be hearing about a special support line. It's run by Pancreatic Cancer UK and it helps patients going through pancreatic cancer and their families. In the words of one person who you'll hear from, he told me it helped lift the fog that descended when he was swamped by medical terms and everything that was going on when he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer.
For more information, remember you can go to the website purplerainbow.co.uk.